The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed during this or any broadcast belong solely to our guests or our hosts. These broadcasts do not represent or reflect the views of their employers, sponsors, or affiliated organizations. Welcome to the Flipboard EDU podcast with your host, William Jeffrey, where we collaborate, communicate, and educate with the greatest educators in the world on Flipboard. Let's start the show. Welcome back, Flipboard fam. This is your favorite coach, Coach Jeffrey. Now more than ever, video is playing a key role in classrooms this fall. Teachers at all levels are using videos daily for various classroom activities. Synchronous and asynchronous learning are terms that were definitely born in 2020 and are becoming staples of professional developments for teachers. It appears that they're here to stay. Oddly enough, using video in classroom is nothing new for educators, yet this school year has required a new skill from teachers who may or may not anticipate shifts that are occurring. In this episode, we speak with Monica Nahas, a distance learning specialist who works with over 50 school districts and 30 charter schools and one of Texas's largest educational service centers. So like we always do about this time, let's collaborate, communicate, and educate with the best educators in the world right here on Flipboard EDU Podcast. Welcome back, Flipboard fam. This is your favorite coach, Coach Jeffrey, and I'm here with an amazing guest, Monica Nahas. Monica, say hi to everybody. Hi, everyone. How's it going? Glad to be on the show, Coach Jeffrey. Now, Monica, you and I go way back. You were a coworker of mine, but I don't want to give that away just yet. Can you tell our listening audience more about yourself? Monica Nehas. I am currently serving as a distance learning project specialist at Region 4 Education Service Center. We service around 50 school districts in our region, plus maybe another 30-some charter schools. And what I do is I provide basically distance learning support with video conferencing and other distance learning technologies to both our internal staff who offer professional development in virtual environments, as well as to external customers, our districts and charters with their needs. Before that, I worked with Coach Jeffrey or Bend ISD. We were instructional technology specialists, sometimes called digital learning specialists, or many times, and provided support to both teachers and students in a multitude of different campuses. A long history in the field of instructional technology. And how long were you a teacher? before you became an instructional technologist? So I served as a classroom teacher for three years in the site of Fairbanks Independent School District. And then after that, I, while I was working on my master's in instructional technology, I was also teaching undergraduate instructional technology courses at the college level while working on a grant at the university. Do you remember how you and I met? Yes, I remember that we met through your classroom and you needed some support with Google Classroom and Google Tools in the classroom and Stacey Boudry, another 
former colleague of ours and I came in and we were helping you learn how to use Google Drive with your students. So we came in and taught a couple model lessons. And then after that, before I knew it, you were sitting in a desk pretty close. Yes, I've learned so much from you and Stacy and some more of our good friends. I would like to get us all on the show at one particular time so that we can just reminisce and figure out why we all stuck together after so many years of working together. I've learned a lot from you specifically just how to become an instructional technologist. I want to talk to you about the video issues that some people face right now in COVID-19. So we have a couple of school districts who who have Zoom or have used Teams, and there was an issue with locking down the browsers so that um, students can participate in these video conferences, and basically they got bombed. So what are some best practices that teachers can use when they're doing video conferences? Yeah, that's a very hot topic right now, Coach Jeffrey, because there have been a lot of Zoom bombing incidents reported around lots of different school districts. They've also come to us, Region 4, to ask for some guidance with uh, so at Region 4, we primarily use the Zoom platform, but there are lots of best practices to take over to Teams and uh, Google Meets and other platforms. So the first important thing I would think that everybody really needs to be familiar with is the platform that they're using for the video conferencing and most importantly, their host controls as the host of the video conference. So, for example, in Zoom, there are several host controls you can use to control things like muting a student very quickly or removing a student from the meeting if it were somebody that was an unwanted guest coming in trying to zoom bomb or bomb the meeting. If you're familiar with your host controls, you should know things like how to remove a participant very quickly, how to mute someone. Another thing I would recommend, which I know is a feature in both Zoom and Teams, is the ability to use a waiting room or a lobby. So you want to make sure that you check your account settings for these video conferencing platforms because within the account settings, there are other security measures you can put in place as a waiting room lobby. You want to make sure that you screen your waiting room or lobby before you allow your students into the meeting, making sure you verify the name. Some teachers and school districts have naming conventions that they use their students make sure that when they enter in the meeting, they're following this. And if they're not following it, then they don't let them into the meeting. Some other things that have come out most recently, as these technologies are becoming more popular, these video conferencing platforms are recognizing the need for students to be able to authenticate programs. So I would also check out the ability to authenticate using other tools. So for example, most recently, Zoom implemented the ability to authenticate into Zoom meetings using tools like Clever, if you're using Clever in your school district, or Google, if you're using Google in your school district. Microsoft does the same thing. You can set it up so only authenticated users are able to join your meeting. So they would be students would have to, for example, log in with their Microsoft or log in with their Google account in order to be allowed in. Overall, I would say check your account settings and become very familiar with your host controls within your video conferencing. Hey, thank you very much. That's really good information. Video is really taking off in the COVID-19 era. What can you suggest that teachers do when they're making their own videos? Okay, so in creating primarily teachers' screencasts, of 
lessons that they're going to give to their students so that students join in the live lesson, they can watch a recorded copy or version of the lesson. So there are several good tools that you can use for screencasting, which tools that will record your computer. So some teachers actually prefer using their video conferencing tools to create a screen. For example, if I jump on into a Zoom meeting, even if I'm by myself, I can record myself. I can video, my audio, and what I'm demonstrating or sharing on my screen. And I can create a video through my Zoom platform and then save the video to my computer and then upload it into whatever platform I'm using to communicate with my students. Some teachers use an LMS, a learning management system like Schoology or Canvas or Blackboard. And so you can upload your video there. You could also upload your video to a platform like YouTube if your school district allows you to use that or Vimeo, district videos to upload the video, embed it, and other products. There are other screencasting tools out there I would recommend. I like Snagit as well. However, it is a paid program. There are some free tools out there, like Google has an extension called Loom, L-O-O-M, that you can also add in, and it will also take screencasts for you. There's another free program called Screencast-O-Matic, and it's is also web-based and you can take screencasts with that. So it's always a good idea if you're delivering to, if you're not able to record them live, pre-recorded or post-recorded version of your lesson so that students can have it on demand at any time. Monica, you are a wealth of knowledge. What are some of the issues that school districts are facing that most people wouldn't necessarily know about? Some of the critical issues recently brought up with distance learning or some things that teachers have been really asking about is the the ability to teach live, but at the same time be hybrid. So therefore, they're teaching live, but at the same time, they're coming in joining virtually because they're at home. So a lot of teachers are struggling with that concept of how do I teach a live lesson class? I'll allow my virtual students to be able to participate and interact with my So I see that as a struggle where teachers want some more information. And I recently read a post of a former colleague of mine who is teaching right now, and she was posting the same thing. And I've read some different articles where one suggestion that was made was that the teacher the lesson virtually to everyone and has their in-classrooms jump into the Zoom meeting or the Teams meeting or the video Google Meet video conference. So everybody's still in the same meeting environment and the teacher can run the lesson there. So there are ways that you can still teach in the classroom, still have your camera set up for your virtual students, but all of your students are jumping in online your video conference and all are interacting with the others. I've heard from teachers a little bit easier on yourself when you're in a hybrid situation to teaching it online. You just also have a face-to-face audience in front of you, but everybody is still using the educational technology tools within the lesson. And so they're able to still communicate with each other in real time in an online environment. Right, that's a great idea. I was also just brainstorming when you, when you were talking about maybe pre-recording yourself 
and then playing the video for that online environment and using it, mm-hmm. interacting in that fashion. Yes, definitely. So you can also pre-record your lesson, make it on demand, and then assign a project where students are still collaborating outside of that live lesson time period and using their online tools like the learning management system or Google Classroom or whatever tools they use to collaborate and other online. Yes, video has always been around, but it's really more so at the forefront now. What future aspects do you see video? video evolving into? Video, I think that it's evolved more and more because now, especially during this COVID-19 time period, I've also seen even big technology companies utilize more as a means for direct instruction. So when you're doing direct in classroom, a lot of times you can film that lesson, have students watch it at their own time, and then use the live synchronous time that you have with your students to actually work with them in small groups. Just like you would meet with a small group in the classroom, you could pull a small group together and use that live interaction time to actually help students improve their skills or work on their projects, for example, writing marks with them. So a lot of it is using protocols that we used to use prior to this COVID-19 pandemic. So things like blended learning or flipped learning, where you're doing lessons where students can get the digital instruction online and at their own time, but then you're using your classroom time to actually help them practice their skills, refine their skills, and get them to where they need to be. Been around for a long time. Now that we've hit the pandemic, that blended learning and flipped learning are coming up to the forefront because we're being forced to work within these digital environments. Gotcha. You guys say that you guys support 50 Houston area school districts and about 30 charter schools. How many people do you work with? How many people in your department support those people? So it's interesting because I'm currently a part of our data center and network solutions. So my department is mostly what you would call the IT department or the IT guys. I'm the only girl. But either way, though, I'm the only instructional person currently on that team, but I work collaboratively a lot with our digital learning department within this. So I help with initiatives that they're doing as well as our own initiatives. And I also have a team of two other people that kind of help with some of the support. But but it's been challenging for sure, as well as in school districts, to keep up with the demand of how much support people need now that we're transitioning to almost a fully virtual environment. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I just started thinking about all the work that you do because you give some really good and clear answers. It's just that I start thinking about how many people are there like you that we, I guess we all are working hard. Monica, we're winding down to the end of our conversation. You have a personal YouTube channel where you make tutorials. Are you interested in making tutorials for people individually or organizations as a group? How can our listeners find you? Oh, yes. So I am on Twitter as well. My handle is at Monica N, like my first name, M, two M's and an N. At Monica MNN, you can direct message me if you need to reach me. I do have a YouTube channel. If you look me up, Monica Nahas, you will see videos on my channel. And I am able to reach out to different school districts and be able to 
support you all with your needs either through through my personal channels or through our services at Region. Excellent, excellent. And before I let you go, let's talk a little bit about just being a good friend of mine. I really appreciate you for coming on the show and taking my call. I enjoy um, being out there and being able to help others. So the whole reason I went into this profession, especially in the field of instructional technology, was to be able to help provide guidance. Yes, and we you still provide guidance to me. I am going to mention this again. I did steal one of your trainings, and I used it. I did give, after I showed everybody the video, and it was like, oh, that's great. I was like, yeah, so I didn't really make it up, but and I, I gave them, I shared your information. Monica, <laughs> yeah. thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate you, and you have a great day. Thank you so much. Subscribe to our Flipboard EDU podcast magazine. With so much content wheezing around out there, there's only one storytelling platform that helps you keep calm and stay informed and inspired. Flipboard. Flipboard curates the world's stories so you can be smarter in your work, life, and play. Choose from thousands of topics to personalize Flipboard and get the best stories from the best publishers and experts delivered to you 24-7. Get started now at Flipboard.com. Flipboard fam, thanks for sticking with me on this episode. I want to thank Monica Nahas for talking with us about using video in the classroom. A huge shout out to Aileen Laylor and Crystal Vanderboom for the editorials on the Flipped EDU Educators blog on Flipboard.com. Also, I would like to give a special shout out to Stacey Boudry and Dr. Michael Milstead. Remember to subscribe to our Flipboard EDU podcast magazine on Flipboard.com. Also, please subscribe and share our podcast with an educator or colleague. Our podcast is available globally and everywhere you listen to podcasts. So until next time, family, have a great day.